Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players podcast. This is our show, our Keeneland show, for Wednesday, October 26th. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker once again, going to be in Lexington before the sun sets today. Very excited about making my way down for the last few days of the fall meet, and then, of course, sticking on through the Breeders' Cup, where we're going to have daily coverage over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com, wherever you get your podcasts, and also, crucially, on the In The Money Media YouTube channel. We encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe where possible. And for those of you who want even more, and there's going to be plenty more, we want you to go check out our plus service in themoneypodcast.com slash plus. But on today's show, we're going to learn about a new handicapping product that I think you're going to be excited about. I know that I'm excited for it, and we're going to speak to a very sharp horse player to get his thoughts on the late pick five on this Keeneland Wednesday card. I introduce to you from Thorough Pace and from... In the Money Plus, Tyler Wisman. Tyler, what's going on, my man? How are you, Pete? Doing well. Looking forward to the discussion today. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And we'll get into these races eventually, but I want to start off with some questions about thorough pace. And I'll just start with the most basic one of all. What is this product? And can you give us a quick overview of thorough pace? Yeah, and appreciate the opportunity to discuss thorough pace. And, you know, really what we've built here is a pace analytics tool that a small group of horse players has been working on for the the past year plus, I would say. Um, you know, right now we have two basic products. The Thoroughpace Forecast is the first one, and really it's an objective prediction of the likely pace scenario based on the running style of the horses and their relative post position in, in the race, uh, you know, at hand. We use a 70-point scale where minus 35 is the most speed favoring and plus 35 is the most closer favoring in terms of ratings. Uh, I should probably note here that a lot of races are designated as neutral, meaning there's no real advantage one way or the other. The second product that we have is called our our Thorough Pace Spotlight Plays Report. Um, And the easiest way for me to explain this is to really oversimplify it and tie it back to a concept that longtime listeners of the podcast will have heard many times. You know, how many times have you heard you or JK say, you know, X horse was closing into a very slow pace or, you know, X horse battled on the front end in a very fast paced race. Horses are generally helped or hurt by pace dynamics, as we all know, and Thorough Pace is really trying to identify those horses for you each day. So when we identify a spotlight runner as like a speed runner getting a softer pace, um, it's because the runner was involved in a pace battle in their last race and is projected to get a softer pace today, right? That's pretty straightforward. And then conversely, when we spotlight a runner as a stretch runner getting a hotter pace, it's because the runner closed ground despite a speed favoring conditions in the last race and is projected to get a hotter pace today. So when we What's really interesting yeah. about this, of course, is the predictive element of it. There are other products out there that look at what's happened and try to make assessments as to who was advantaged or disadvantaged. But what I've never seen before, well, the Timeform US Pace Projector does it a little bit, but this seems like another layer of using data to look at today's races and make predictions in in that regard. Is that a fair comment and comparison? It is. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that it's that additional context of, you know, yeah, you, anybody can identify X horse closed into a slow pace, but you know, it's, it's taking the next step and saying, okay, in the context of today's pace, you know, is that a more favorable setup? Right. And so I think we're, we're doing the work for the horse players and identifying those runners and the races in which they, they may fit best. And I think honestly, that's the, the biggest appeal. 
without asking you to reveal exactly how the sausage is made. What can you tell us about the methodology here? What can you share with listeners about the team behind the new product? Yeah, no, and and obviously our methods are proprietary, but what I can share is that there were a set of hypotheses, if you will, that were created and then basically back-tested on 2018-19 running lines. So we teased out the pace-related angles um, or predictive factors, as we call them, that worked and then tossed out those that didn't. And from there, we tested them, uh, you know, going forward against 2020 and 2021 running lines and did the same exact thing. So got rid of the things that underperformed and overperformed. And so our methods, as you can tell, are, are iterative um, and we'll constantly be back testing to ensure that we are providing spotlight plays that that really ensure a positive ROI um, or a negative ROI, because that's another feature that I didn't mention is we actually identify horses that are getting a, a worse setup. Right. Um, and, and should be faded or considered to be faded, if you will. You know, all told, the analytics tool um, is is based on over 1.2 million running lines. Um, so it, it is a, a very robust tool, if you will. One of the most I'd have been happy with the idea of a product that could consistently give me horses that were beating the takeout. You think it's actually realistic and powerful enough to maybe even point out some situations that might be positive ROI? Yeah, and those are, are probably some of the the more more valuable aspects, right? And so when we when we look at the negative predictive factors, we, we started with a, a long list of horses uh, based on the angles, but many of those horses are, are 20 or 30 to, to one, right? Um, and so we, we've sort of, again, in, in the iterative process have narrowed the focus in our um, horses that we would suggest betting against. We've sort of narrowed that and and basically, we're not going to put a, a horse on that list that's, say, over six or seven to one, because at some point there's not a lot of equity in fading, you know, long shots, because the, obviously it's not a perfect tool um, and that those horses will win sometimes. So we're really trying to give you, you know, OK, hey, th- there might be a two to one favorite in this race, but our pace data would suggest that it's a, a strong play against. And those are the horses where you can create tremendous value. It makes sense. There's a point of diminishing returns in anti-tipping long shots. At the same time, it's still nice to have some sort of indicator um, in that regard. But uh, no, I, I respect the way you're doing it. I think it, it, it makes sense. Any other general comments about the product before we drill down into the specifics of how you personally have been using it? Yeah, I, w- I will say that, you know, a couple things that I w- would like to note. So um, our overarching or guiding principle, if you will, is to really simplify the presentation of what amounts to some very analytical information, meaning that what you see as a thorough pace customer um, is a very simple looking output. And that is very intentional, right? Like ev- even though with everything, it takes a little bit of getting used to our product. You know, really the idea is that you should be able to look at it and figure out what it's telling you. Um, I also want to note that the we don't provide a thorough pace forecast for every race, right? And this this may be frustrating to people, but again, this is a, a product that's based on objective data. So if the race has first-time starters or first-time North American horses, there will not be a pace forecast because it lacks sufficient data to analyze the race. Another thing is that the the pace forecast and spotlight plays can be significantly impacted by scratches as any pace product could be. So we, tend to, we, we try to update our products around noon, 3 p.m., 6 p.m., kind of an automated process that we have, have built in at least as much as possible. Um, obviously, if we've identified controlling speed horse and their scratches, that's only going to help its chances, right, at least theoretically. Um, so this is one that definitely impacts more when we've identified a stretch runner that's going to get a setup. If some of the pace comes out of the race, obviously, you'll want to know that. Um, and then the final thing is that there there aren't spotlight plays for every single race, right? So if you've 
listened to what we've discussed so far um, and it's made any sense at all, that's probably apparent. But I just want to point that out, right? There, there aren't always horses that are getting better setups today, um, in, not in every single race. So typically, depending on the number of tracks uh, running on a given day and the day of the week, there might be anywhere from seven to 20 spotlight plays that come in that report. That's, that's a significant amount for sure. How have you used the product and how has it transformed your own uh, study and handicapping? Yeah, so it, it's changed the way that I play the races much more than I thought. I, I, I find that I'm playing fewer multi-race sequences and focusing a bit more on, on win place. Um, and then this one may sound a little bit counterintuitive, but I'm, I'm skipping more races and playing more races at the same time. Uh, so what I mean by that is that I'm playing a bigger variety of tracks, tracks that I normally wouldn't have handicapped and, and didn't play much, um, but also sitting out more races on tracks that I, I follow normally. So um, again, I'm, I'm letting the, the product sort of guide where I, I provide, you know, focus my energy and handicapping, um, you know, efforts, if you will. We'll have to do a visual demonstration at some point. It sounds fascinating and you seem like the perfect person to walk us through, but I know you've got a special launch offer going right now. Tell us about that and how folks can find it. Yeah. So we, we did some analysis. So if you're a, a subscriber at in the money podcast, um, dot com slash email the best way to, to be a subscriber and if you are or were a subscriber you may have seen our now analysis for saturday's racing over the, the weekend um, if you wanted to join in now the best way is for going to the the url of in the money podcast.com slash thoroughpace so that's t-h-o-r-o-p-a-c-e um, so in the money podcast.com slash thoroughpace so when you go to that page, you'll you'll be um, instructed to sign up for a free account. And if you create an account, we'll give you our premium analytics tools for the rest of the year. Um, originally, we had thought of a launch offer and we were going to give away the month of October um, and really decided that, you know, we might as well give this away for the rest of the year to let people really get familiar with the product, um, you know, and the intent of, you know, full launch at the, the start of next year, if you will. I like that. It shows confidence in the product. It gives people a chance to really get used to it. And I mean, now granted with some of the shippers, maybe it's the Breeders' Cup isn't necessarily going to show the product to its best effect just for the cards at Keeneland those days. But I do like the idea that folks can take a look for a meet like uh, like the Breeders' Cup. Is it available on all all tracks? How how deep does, does the analysis go? We do have a list of tracks. We have an FAQ page. If you go to that um, link that we've sent people to, you'll be able to access our frequently asked questions. It has a list of tracks. I mean, it, it's it's the majority of the AB tracks, if you will, if, if you were trying to, to, to rate them. I mean, some of the fairs and more obscure tracks we don't have. Uh, we're always open to considering and adding more. Um, but for now, we have kind of a narrowed list of, I don't know what the list is, maybe 25 to 30 tracks that, that are in scope. In the moneypodcast.com slash thorough pace, the place to go to learn more. Tyler, thank you for that analysis. And unless you've got anything else on that front, I think we should dive in and look at some of these races today. What do you think? Sounds good. All right. Well, I say today, this is actually the racing for Wednesday. We're recording on Tuesday. So this show will have a nice long um, shelf life. And, you know, who knows? I think with that excellent description of the product, folks might come back and, and revisit this a little bit as uh, as time goes on. The pick five on Wednesday starts at race number four. 236 Eastern is the scheduled post time in terms of this late pick five. Tyler, how are we going to light this candle? So I think on the main track at Keeneland, uh, I, I want horses that are forwardly placed. I, I want horses that can avoid kickback if at all possible. And, and my top pick is the number three overtax for Ron Moquette. Uh, and I'm actually going to single this horse. You know, if I'm, I'm wrong, I can consider coming back with the, the pick four. 
to be clear, um, I'm a little bit nervous that Bayerano will try to get a bit, a little bit too cute with this horse and, and try to rate as he's done when he's ridden him in the, in the past. Um, you know, I, I think that would be a mistake as the thoroughpace forecast has this race rated as a, as a minus 10. Um, and that, that would, you know, technically that's a neutral rating, but given the kickback and the fact that this is a sprint, I really believe Bayerano should send here. Um, I like the race uh, last out when he was chasing a few good ones, hoist the gold, ran big over the weekend, and Tejano Twist ran a monster race last out. Uh, also, a, a quick stat on Moquette. He's not a necessarily a high percentage trainer, but he is a very good trainer. And, and sometimes it's about finding what a trainer does best. So when I look at his stats over the past five years, claiming races that are at sprint distances, specifically at Keeneland, he's four for 17, which is a 24% win uh, clip with a 247 ROI. You know, that's it's not too bad for a guy that hits normally at about 10% on the year. So this is kind of his thing. If I were forced to give a, a couple of backups, I'd, I'd go with Pletcher, who has been on fire, um, given the fact that you know, Todd has been on fire and you get Irad in the, in the saddle. I'm sure this horse takes a bunch of money. Um, at least that's my hope since I'm singling another horse. Um, but obviously, you know, I'm talking about the eight double thunder who was second in the futurity here last fall, but he really looks like the type that might not have progressed uh, in his first couple of starts at three. And then the final one is I'd also suggest if you were looking for backups, the five uptown hustler uh, for some, you know, relative under, under the radar yet hot connections. Uh, Jason Barkley has won a pair at the meet. And, you know, I've really been impressed with the way James Graham has been riding this meet specifically on the grass, but still he's, he's riding well overall. Yeah. We have the same numbers, but I was approaching it differently and total be the guide. Ultimately, if double thunder gets hammered at the windows, I, he becomes a lot less confident of an A for me. This is a tough horse to back with confidence, but just going through the PPs, you got excuses, and excuses and excuses. You might be right that he just hasn't trained on, but didn't break against the excellent Gunite last time. Two back, spent a lot of time on a rail that I didn't think was a great place to be. Three back was the BC Juvenile. Just a guess, not lumping on, but as hot as the Pletcher Barn has been, I did want to try to use as an A. And then I did think that Uptown Hustler was interesting for a hot trainer of a much lower profile, as you point out, in Jason Barkley. Westward's not an easy guy to move horses up off, and this is first time off the claim. But that was just 14 days ago, so he's basically running off Ward's training and is in a spot where I think you could be right that they could get too cute with the possible lone front runner on, on pace figures, your, your three, and then Uptown Hustler might be able to get a beautiful trip. I thought there's a chance he could prove the best speed and go on with it. So I was going to play it with the eight and five on the A-line and the three as a backup in case that one gets the kind of trip you're envisioning. So it's funny how we sort of agree and disagree all the same to kick off this pick five, which continues in leg B where we've got an allowance race going a mile and an eighth on the Keeneland turf. We don't have the pick three, the, the all turf pick three today with just the two turf races. Seems like they've really been protecting this turf course ahead of the breeders cup, but that's okay. Cause we got this late pick five to get stuck into in race five, I was going to make my top pick number five, Epimythium. This horse just comes here in terrific form. And those recent races, while theoretically at a lower class level, I don't think are any worse than what um, this runner faces in this spot. And the last couple came out pretty well on the clock. This horse has tactical speed, adding to the appeal. And the one race going this far was solid. The German blood also gives me confidence that the extra ground in today's race will be fine. I also wanted to use... The three policy option, a horse who fits well for me off the races three and four back. I think you can excuse the last based on the lousy trip. Two back was on dirt. The issue with this runner never seems to break well. 
but at a price, maybe can turn things around. You just get away from there. Okay. I was going to play at five and three, but Tyler, eager to bring you back in to get your thoughts. Yeah. So I'm going to lean pretty heavily on the running B here, mostly because I I don't love the others. Um, Chad has quite frankly struggled this meet, which is worth considering when it comes to the Breeders' Cup. Um, nevertheless, I, I'll forgive the, the bad effort at Kentucky Downs and hope that Lasix and Irad can get this one back to, to winning form. I realize that Irad and the, the Irons means that you'll take the worst of it in terms of price, but this one just looks most likely to win to me. Uh, I hope that Irad is actually aggressive with this horse as it's another race where we have the, the thorough pace forecast is listed as neutral at plus 0.2. Um, I'll back up with a few on the B line and they're not horses that you mentioned. Um, you know, for me, it was the 10 Mount Rundle and 11 catnip who aren't drawn ideally, um, but they look okay in this spot. And, you know, if the pace scenario were different, uh, I'd like the number four Winworthy a lot more. Um, I'm just afraid that he'll be left with way too much to do, but you know, I, I, w- I would want to back up because I, I do think that, you know, long-term, I think this might be the, the best turf horse out of this race if given the right setup. So I've got Gaffleone on running B and Irad on win worthy in this spot. Was that was which one of us has the up to date information? Uh oh, no that that's probably me in my in my notes. You're, you're correct. Okay, excellent. Just just as a just as an FYI. Um, but no, I mean this is the kind of race where I'm not surprised. We we mentioned five different runners and with no overlap. It does it like a lot of these Keeneland turf races a potential scramble. Um, where there's a lot of different ways to go. And depending on how seriously you're going to get stuck into this race, I, I I don't hate the idea of spreading a little bit here. But then again, the contrarian way of doing it in the seeming spread race to try to just get stuck into a few numbers can pay dividends as well. It's going to all come down to what your opinions are in the races around it and a little bit of what your handicapping personality is. Let's move on to race number six. We've got an allowance race for fillies and mares going six furlongs on the dirt. And Tyler, we'll keep it with you. Yeah, so my, my main opinion in here is that I'll be fading Irad and Walsh with the three Zanera lab. Um, Walsh has struggled at this meet. That's been pretty well documented, even even with Temple City Terror winning over the, the past weekend. Um, you know, it, it could be time for him to turn it around. He's too good of a trainer to remain this cold. But still, he, he's had struggles. And to be quite honest, this horse hasn't run well at Keeneland in the past. Uh, also, I can't, I can't really envision a winning trip for this one as he figures to either drop, you know, way far back to avoid the kick off, kickback or he's just going to eat a ton of kickback. Right. So um, this also, you know, the final straw for me was that this I thought might be a little sharp for him. I thought that, you know, he, he may want to ultimately go a slightly longer. So I like the pair on the outside best. They they both have speed and I'll use them equally as A's. If I was forced to give a top pick, I'd go with the seven Magic Quest who figures to have needed his last race where you know, he dueled um, near the front in the race with a, a very fast pace. He picks up Saez, and I think he moves forward second time off a layoff for Rusty Arnold, who excels with that move. Uh, I'll also use the eight Coppelia um, as an A as well. He may well be the, the fastest, and, and Bauer horses seem to be running well, despite not actually winning um, here at the meet. In terms of backups, I'll use the two and the four. I wanted to find a reason to use the the one compelling smile in case this thing completely melted down, which is what I thought it would was going to do um, at first glance. But, you know, if we look at the thorough pace forecast, this actually comes out as a, a neutral pace, especially for a sprint. So, um, you know, again, I'm, I'm sticking with the, the outside drawn um, speed horses, and that is the seven and the eight is my A's. We have some commonality in how we're seeing this, mainly in that we're both against the morning line favorite, uh, Zelena Rab who I just feel like is going to be overbet relative to the chances. And I, I think, I do think the Walsh barn is, is, has turned a corner. It's less about that and more about the second point you made for me 
about how tricky of a, of a situation it is for that one. I put a runner on top that you didn't mention, the five headland. I like to return to the races at Churchill, attending a fast pace and kicking clear. Worked three times since and could be poised to move up second off the layoff. Might be in a situation of getting kicked back in that second flight. That is a concern. And I also did want the horse that I think seems likely to prove the best of the speed one that you did mention in the two bomb diggity looks to be working well enough for her return to the races late season three-year-old you figure improvement could be forthcoming has some decent numbers from earlier in the year and could be able to seize control of things and i like your point very much and mirror it on the seven magic quest another one of these second off the layoff runners as many horses coming back from long layoffs they get tend to get a little bit lit up early this one set unsustainably fast fractions Speed on the outside, whether or not she clears or decides to sit off of Bomb Diggity, could get the right kind of trip in this spot. So I had it with the five and the two as my A's and the seven as a B for Tyler. Seven, eight on the top line, two and four on the back line. And that brings us I, I think, to race I think number see, seven. One, one thing to note, too, is just like in terms of reading conditions, if you look at the five headland, I mean, you, you know, you see an eight-time winner here, and it's the conditions that's offered for the, the optional $80,000 price tag. So that might be a sneaky play um, as well and, and and one that I'll probably want to to back up with at second glance just because, um, you know, it's the, the only one in here for the $80,000 claiming price, has won eight times, uh, obviously likes the, the winner's circle. So good, good call yes. there. That's a, a th- th- that is something that sometimes can be a, a subtle and uh, angle. It's funny because in one way it's not subtle at all. It's like the most basic stat, but it gets overlooked sometimes in these, in these conditions. And that's the fun of doing these shows is being able to point things out. And that's how we suggest other people listen to our stuff and, and use our stuff. The idea is to mimic exactly what we're doing. I mean, you can do that. And, and certainly there's some days where you can have plenty of success doing that, but it's much more fun when there's a bit of a back and forth and you use your opinion and maybe it's a spread race and we give you a horse to use, or maybe we give you a horse you were thinking of singling that we make a confident case for, and then you can press it all the more. Race number seven is an allowance race on the turf. We're going a mile and an eighth in this spot. I was going to try to get a little bit cheeky with a couple of prices. This is just a race where when I write out my, you know, idea of what horses are going to run, there's just not that much of a difference in this field from, from top to bottom. There's actually two horses that could be double digits that I want to focus on. And then, you know, in terms of backups, I think it's a bit of a go as deep as you want. So I didn't even bother listing any, but I did want to talk a little bit about wake surf, the five runner. This horse requires some imagination, but as a runner, I've just liked in the past. And I think he has a sneaky chance to prove the best speed and stick around at a good price. And if you like Wake Surf, it probably makes sense to like the 10 rough in the city as well. This horse finished ahead of Wake Surf, two back. I think you can safely ignore the Kentucky Downs run. And that two back run just really stands out to me as by far his best race and the only turf race of late on a traditional turf course. I just don't think that horse is far enough behind to be a double digit price in this spot i like the five and the ten to pull a bit of an upset in race number seven very curious to get your thoughts yeah for, so for me uh you know again a very difficult race and you know when i'm faced with that to to your earlier point i i, I tried to narrow as much as possible so for me the seven hours rocket will be a lone a uh, here so i typically don't love horses that get beaten blanket finishes but really if you look at the form of that last race it was really flattered over the weekend a celestial city won the, the hill prints uh, pretty convincingly, I might might add. Um, you know, I, I thought the added distance might actually help this one. Um, and then the final thing is that the thorough pace forecast currently sits at plus twenty four point zero, 
Um, again, that's prior to scratches. So, you know, likely you get the outside main track only horse, I believe, um, that, that would come out. Um, you know, again, assuming the, the main speed stays in the, the body of the turf race, if you will, um, I really think that there's enough pace signed up here to set up for his closing kick. Uh, again, you get, get hot connections here. And so that, in this case, I'm going to embrace. As Bs, I would I would use the 11 who cuts back off a stretch of longer races, the last two of which were pretty solid. And I'll also back up um, as a B with the number four Brazilianaire who is stretching out and now comes off uh, three wins in a row. So you'll be able to see an updated pace forecast after scratches because it is interesting to me in this race where a runner like Hippodrome, this MTO that presumably won't run, is a horse with plenty of speed. I wonder, I mean, funny enough, I say plenty of speed, like looking at pace figures, plenty of speed, not so much in the running lines. I do wonder how much that affects it. And, you know, come scratch time, basically noon on tomorrow, you'll be able to see that updated number. Is that how that works? Correct. Okay, interesting. Very, very interesting. And it, it's that kind of race. I do... I do take your point about the seven runner Al's rocket and we'll make sure to officially list as a B in the notes that we're going to send around to our in the money plus subscribers. We wrap things up with our nightcap race. Number eight, we've got a maiden claiming $40,000 level for, for runners three and up. We're going seven furlongs on the dirt to close things out. Tyler, how are we going to get paid? Yeah. So you, you have to start here with the number three master game. So I'm not sure that this horse will be five to two come post time, but I know he will be much shorter in the, the Maltese. Um, and I'm probably silly, but I'm going to completely toss him from the win end because quite honestly, <laughs> My top pick. yeah, I mean, th this horse just has me wondering if things are, are too good to be true, quite honestly. Um, you know, because of the presence of the first time starter on the outside, there will be no thorough pace forecast for this race, but anyone can see that this horse is completely loose in here. Um, and the most recent work and the addition of blinkers indicates, you know, nothing that would suggest otherwise, right? Uh, the last two dirt races would surely win this. He's found some very solid horses and facing strobe and elite power. Um, admittedly, he wasn't even in the same frame as those runners, but still he, he comes out of solid dirt races. The turf experiment, I think, is, you know, a clear failure. And now, you know, this $300,000 purchase shows up here in a maiden claiming uh, race back on dirt, right? So we found a stat earlier, or, or I did, I thought one that would point to something that Ron Moquette did well. And this is basically the inverse of this. So Cassie is two for 20 with a 0 0.88 ROI when going turf to dirt um, and maiden special weight to maiden claiming. You know, Interesting. He, he probably jogs, but the connections have clearly given up on this horse. And I really don't like using horses where that's obviously the case. So if we're going to throw out the, you know, very, what might be an odds on horse, so, you know, why not consider a bomb? So I'm going to use two horses here in the finale as A's. My top pick is the number five, Alfio. Um, this horse is cutting back for a barn that does just fine with limited starters. Uh, I mentioned Graham earlier um, and he's a massive rider up get grade here uh, i like the last race where this horse didn't do anything spectacular but there was really no pace to close into and he ran well finishing behind a pair that actually came back to win their next starts with similar figures um, he will have to improve i think to beat even this bunch but i think the steady progression is possible um, then I'll, I'll also use the the horse just to his inside the four lucky dude from iowa connections who's making uh, his second start of the meet. So Doug Anderson horses seem to be running well, despite not having a win at the meet. Um, and I think he and the jockey of Tyler's tribe, Kylie Jordan, um, who I can't really believe stayed on this horse. The first uh, start of the meet, uh, almost dropped the rider at the, the gate. Um, nevertheless, I think both of them might get their first wins of the meet here. Um, and if we can get either of those two horses home, I'm confident this pick five will play, uh, pay pretty nicely. I love it from a, from a game theory point of view. And I did, 
have some notice of, of Alfia. We'll get to that in a minute. I I was going to play it in a much more straightforward way. I did think Master Game, first time as a gelding on dirt. The drop to me, it's not crazy, just the economics of the game today in a big barn like this and just looks like one who should be clear on pace figs. Another one at the shorter end of the odd spectrum who looked like the logical alternative to me was the 11 Apollo Rising. Just didn't think that was the easiest trip on debut, spending a good chunk of time between horses, kept plugging on, has worked okay since for the level. It just looks like one where logical second out improvement could put him right there. Alfio is definitely one to include. The last race was, as you pointed out, against the flow or however you want. To, I don't know what term you use for in, in thorough pace when you, when you have a runner, you know, when you're looking at a, at a back race and, and trying to describe a horse that wasn't suited by the situation. But I think that's a fairly good assumption for Alfio. He was also back in just eight days. And now getting back to the maiden claiming ranks for the first time in, in a little bit, um, yeah, could be a whole different ball game for a runner listed at uh, 20 to one for a jockey who's booted in plenty of long shots. So I did want that one as a backup. And I'll, I'll take a much longer look at this Iowa horse, uh, lucky dude, based on your say so. But I didn't have in my in my first reckoning of the picks. But two clever ideas from Tyler, five and four to close it out. I was much more master of the obvious on the top line with the three and the 11. But I, I may back up with the five and the four as well on uh, the five. I sort of noticed myself on the four just on Tyler's say so as we close out this Wednesday card. Really excited to be down there at Keeneland. And uh, have you gotten down there this meet at all? Do you project to be there before it's all said and done? I, I haven't got a chance to go to get down there. So, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, with, with three little kids, it makes it a little bit challenging. Um, you know, and also the the amenities that I can, can watch from home makes it, uh, you know, hard to beat, quite honestly. I get it. I get it. You know, you made a point on Twitter the other day, and since we just we have a segue with the Iowa connections in the last race, a horse. I don't know if you're planning on on, on betting or, or just rooting, but I thought that was great what you what you noted about the obvious and not so obvious hunch play for you, Tyler's Tribe in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where. Um... Okay, I'll tell a quick story that my my wife is still mad with me because there aren't many chances where a 21 horse gets drawn into the race and uh, that happens to be her birthday, right? So you know, <laughs> why didn't you include that horse? You only get like one chance a year at best to, to ever do that. So um, nevertheless, uh, I, I think sometimes things just sort of jump off the page at you and, and you know, horse players are typically superstitious, whatever you want to call it. And I, I think that um, on, on the surface, that's a race that's like, I would absolutely avoid because, you know, there isn't much form. There's a lot of unknowns. Um, and I generally don't like turf sprints, but, you know, assuming he points there, it's one that, you know, I'll definitely be watching with a, a lot of uh, affection for, and, you know, on the, on the 24th. So the, uh, young Tyler was able to ring the bell, which for those of you that don't uh, know, means that he's actually, you know, officially cancer free, which I think is just awesome. You know, from my professional life, that's what I, I do. So um, definitely a connection for the horse and then the obvious connection with the name as well. So um, not sure if I'll be wagering on him, um, definitely won't be wagering against and will not, um, you know, at all be rooting against. I'll be rooting um, that one probably harder than any horse in all of the Breeders' Cup. What a story. And explain what you mean about how you work in the field. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm a pharmacist by training, uh, you know, in my uh, pro professional job, you know, horse playing and, and, and whatnot, clearly my hobby, but uh, I'm a, a cancer pharmacist and really have spent like all my in professional career uh, dedicated to, you know, cancer care and, and trying to, to help uh, those with cancer. 
Amazing. Well, it's 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 incredibly important work and a great tie-in to your hobby, and we'll see what happens. A race we're going to be talking about a lot more, I think, in a sneaky way. One of the most interesting races of the two days, a, a race that's an afterthought for, for many. I've always been intrigued by its possibilities, and, and this year we've got a cast coming together that, that make it, you know, pretty exciting in my in my view anyway all right great stuff tyler we'll get out of here we'll check in with you very soon on the in the money plus side i know you have some special plans for us the next couple weeks yeah looking forward to that so a lot of things lined up and planned um you know the lineup is spectacular uh as always and really providing a lot of uh unique looks and you know speaking of that really looking forward to digesting the notes that'll come from the discussion i know you're having with nick luck and really just trying to get additional insight on the euros is one of the the key things for me. Um, but you know, so many strong opinions from so many qualified handicappers. And one of the ways that I've, you know, learned and sort of built what we, um, you know, how I, I play the horses now, a lot of that has come from learning and listening uh, throughout the years. That's awesome. That's great to hear when someone as sharp as you is getting value out of the content. That that means a lot to me personally. And you'll be doing some writing too, right? Yeah. So we've already uh, released the Euro versus USA trends report, which is kind of an interesting way to look at the data. Um, and then, you know, I've, I've really kind of taken a liking to thinking through uh, specific wagering strategies. That's feedback that we've gotten from customers. So we'll have a couple of different budgets where, where we'll, we will think through, you know, if you were going to wager, you know, X on the, the Breeders' Cup as a whole, like what might be uh, the best way to deploy that capital? And, and that's always a, a difficult task because people have different goals, different bank roles, um, et cetera. But, you know, we, we try to provide some, hey, if this is what your goal is, th- these are some things that you might um, consider. So I'll be doing that along with some other written content from a few of the other contributors as well. Good stuff. Appreciate all of your efforts and your time here today. Tyler, we'll thank you one more time. We'll thank our friends and partners over at Keeneland and Keeneland Select. Terrific bonus offer for new customers. Go over to KeenelandSelect.com. And hey, if you've already got an account and you know somebody who plays the horses who doesn't, encourage them to do it and get involved. KeenelandSelect.com, the place to go for that. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos.